0: So the verses that I read just a moment ago come on the heels of the Israelites finally getting out of Egypt. But just before that, the Israelites, God's people, the people that he chose to have a relationship with him, he said, you are going to be my people, I am going to be your God. Just before that, they find themselves in slavery in Egypt under an evil ruler named Pharaoh, They're in a confusing place. Have you ever been there? They were God's people. They were called God's people. They believed they were God's people, but yet they didn't feel like God's people. They were mistreated. They were being overworked. They were being beaten. They weren't enjoying any kind of freedom, which is confusing. Because for me, I think in my head that being... A child of God, being a follower of Jesus, should make things easier. Like I should experience, if God is my father and I am his child, I should experience some good things. The creator of the universe who created me says he loves me. To me, in my mental space, it means that things should be easy for me. But the Israelites don't find themselves there. Instead, they're enslaved, they're captive. But God had a plan to rescue them from Egypt and from the hands of Pharaoh. So how does he do it? If you're new to church, he calls this man named Moses. Now, Moses wasn't exactly the perfect pedigree to lead a nation of God's people out of slavery. As a matter of fact, if you look in the Bible, Moses was a man who was a shepherd he wasn't, didn't have a high standing in society. He was probably not the smartest man around. He admitted himself that he couldn't speak well. He actually committed murder at an earlier point in his life. But God calls this man named Moses, and he says, this is the way I'm going to rescue you. And I know you're confused because you're enslaved, but I've told you that you're my people. He said, I'm going to rescue you by asking you to go to Pharaoh and tell him to let my people go so that they can worship me. So what does Moses do? Moses obeys. The Bible says that nine times he goes to Pharaoh and says, let my people go. And Pharaoh's like, nope, not happening. So finally, the 10th time is a charm. uh, Moses goes to Pharaoh and Pharaoh agrees to let the people go. if you put yourself in their situation, can you just imagine how these people feel? being enslaved for 400 plus years, supposedly having a promise from God that one day they would experience this land flowing with milk and honey, a land of abundance, a promised land that God had promised them. But for 400 plus years, they are in captivity. Finally, God delivers them. But is not the place between where you are and God delivering you isn't that the confusing space in life isn't that isn't that where the tension lies between the I thought I would be but here I am between the I was hopeful for but yet I look around and I see this between the hurt And the hope, isn't that where most of life is spent? In that confusing spot where you thought, you think, you believe that God loves you, yet when you look around, you don't see his plan at work. You don't see him doing anything. Maybe you thought by now you would have met Mr. or Mrs. Wright, but you still find yourself single. Or maybe you thought the person that you married you were going to spend the rest of your life with, but you look around now and your marriage is in shambles. Maybe you thought God was always going to provide for you but now you find yourself asking for help again. Maybe you thought that God had a plan for your life, but you're looking around and you're thinking, this, if this is God's plan, God ain't a good planner. Isn't that where the confusion lies between I thought, but yet here I, here I am wondering what in the world could God be up to? I think for me personally, A lot of the stress and anxiety that comes into my life isn't necessarily because of the bad things that happen. But a lot of the stress that I face and a lot of the stress that I believe you face isn't in the bad things happening, it's in the wondering how in the world God is going to get you out of it. Or better yet, how long is it gonna take? Or one of my thoughts, just being transparent, is I've followed Jesus for long enough, I believe that he loves me. I believe he's going to take care of me. But one of my thoughts is, how bad is it going to hurt? Isn't that where life is confusing? Like, I, I, I've seen you work in the past, God, but this one? Like, this isn't where I thought I was going to be. And, 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 and we're confused. We thought he was going to show up. We thought he was going to do something. But yet he lives, leaves us in a confusing place, just like the Israelites stuck in captivity but promised a land abundance today i want us to take a look at the confusing places in life the confusing places in our faith journey and see what we can learn from this story that we can take with us when life is confusing today my topic is it's all in the plan it's all in the plan and if i was going to provide a subtitle which i did not do it would be when life's confusing i want to start a series today that we're calling even though, even though. We're just gonna take a look at a couple of different times in scripture where the words even though are used and see how we can answer some of the perplexing things in life today. It's all in the plan. So let's go back to those verses I read just a few minutes ago. They come just after Pharaoh has decided, okay, your people can go. I'll, I'll let them go but that wasn't enough. Pharaoh would eventually chase after him, but they come just after him releasing the Israelites. This is what it says in Exodus 13, verse 17. It says, when Pharaoh finally let the people go, God did not lead them along the main road that runs through Philistine territory, even though that was the shortest route to the promised land. So if you don't know this story and you haven't spent any time in church and you don't know a lot about the Bible, if you hear that the Israelites have been stuck in captivity and all of a sudden they were freed, you would think, well, that's the end of their following God's story, right? I mean, God has, has done what he told them he would do He's delivered them, and so now they're good to go. They don't have to worry about anything. It's happily ever after kind of story. It is the end of them having to rely on God. But as we'll see as we continue to read through this story, and if you continue to read through the book of Exodus, this wasn't the end of them having to rely on God, but this was actually a new beginning for them having to rely on God. And it's the same way when, when, when we begin to follow, to follow Jesus. Make no mistake about it. When you accept Christ into your life, it happens in an instant. God is big enough. He loves you enough. He has enough grace for you, no matter how bad you've messed it up, no matter how far deep down you've sunk. If you confess your sin to him and you say, Jesus, I believe you died and you rose and it was for me, he comes into your life and he saves you in an instant. There is no formula. There are no check boxes. There is no process. You are saved in an instant. This instant that you confess Jesus as Lord, but your relationship with him grows over time. And I'm afraid that there's this school of thought, especially in today's Western culture, that thinks, okay, I am following Jesus. I am following God. It is going to make my life easier. Easier. No time in Scripture do you see where the people that followed God or trusted Jesus had an easier life. It just doesn't happen. The key is to remember the character of God and the fact that God is a relational God. God is a a relational God. You see, He's not, He doesn't just want to save you for eternity. He wants to build a relationship with you in the now. He wants to walk with you. He wants to talk with you. He wants wants to go through some things with you. He wants to go through some strife with you. He wants you to understand every part of his character. He wants you to grow closer to him. He wants you to understand more of who he is. He wants you to understand his graciousness and his helpfulness and his power. And as you walk through life and you face the confusion and you face the difficult circumstances, all of a sudden a relationship begins to to be built. He's, He's relational. If he wasn't, the second you accepted Christ, you would, boom, Drop dead. We would bury you. You would go to heaven. Then you would live with him forever, and everything would be rosy. But that's not the kind of God he is. He's a relational God. He has a purpose for your life from here on out. He has a relationship with you, for your life with him from here on out. It would be kind of be like getting married, walking down the aisle. I'm a little lonely up here. But anyway, it would be like walking down the aisle. Standing before the pastor, saying, I do, I reckon, that was Greer style. <laughs> Walking back down the aisle for whatever song you walk back down the aisle to. People do some crazy stuff now. Whatever song you walk back down to the aisle to, you get into the back of the church, you go going like, have a good life. And not even living in the same house, not talking again. That's what that would be like. But instead, a, a marriage, it grows through the difficult times of life, doesn't it? It grows through walking with each other and talking with each other. And when everybody feels, when you feel like everybody's abandoned you, you have, knowing that they're still there, that's, that's where relationship grows. And that's the way God wants to grow with you. He wants to walk with you through the confusion. And if you don't realize that, you will mistake the pain that you feel as something that God is dishing out to get you. He doesn't allow pain, he doesn't allow confusion so that you can be discouraged. He does it so that you can follow him more closely. So the Israelites they find themselves being rescued from, from slavery, but yet they continue to have to live in the confusing spot as they walk, as they walk with with him. God did not lead them the way that they would have wanted, but He still led them. You know, God's leading isn't always down easy street, is it? It's not always down the path of least resistance. It's not always the perfect plan that you would have engineered and organized yourself. It says that He didn't take them on the shortest route. I'm a shortest route kind of guy. Anybody else? like I am a shortest a shortest route kind of guy. I don't even know why they have that little toggle on Google Maps where do you want the quickest route? Well, of course I want the quickest route. I don't I don't want to avoid interstates. I will pay for toll roads if it gets me there faster. I'm a shortest route kind of guy and I'm also a pain-free kind of guy. Like I want the shortest route. I want it to be the easiest as it can. I want as little pain involved as possible. I'm a shortest route kind of guy. I don't want want to struggle. I just want to get where I'm going. And I hear people all of the time who are about to give up on their faith, or they walk away from church, or they walk away from God because they're sold an idea that God always takes us on the shorter route. It's not true. It's it's, It's not in the Bible. In fact, most of the time, God takes us on the longer route as he's going to do with these Israelites, God's leading isn't always down easy street, but it is always down the right street. Look at verse 17. It says, For God said, If the people are faced with a battle, they might change their minds and return to Egypt. The Israelites were in slavery for 400 plus years in Egypt. Egypt was what was familiar to them. It was awful for them to experience, but it was also predictable for them to experience. And I have a feeling that some of you are in a confusing spot right now because you've just made a decision or you've just taken a step and you are tempted to go back to Egypt. You're tempted to go back to what's familiar, even though you knew it wasn't good for you because you're confused, because things aren't aren't changing as fast as you thought they were. It's not the shortest route. There's more pain involved than you thought. And so you're thinking it was easier back then. It wasn't easier. It was more comfortable. Do you know how many times I've started an intermittent fasting diet where you don't eat but eight hours a day? That feels really, really good. Until you get like one hour before your timer goes off that says you can eat. I always want to go back because I'm hungry. And I want to go back to what's familiar because I'm used to eating at this time. My stomach says it's time to eat. You will go back to what's familiar if you don't accept the fact that God is still with you even when it's confusing. This new life you have chosen, it is not easier. It is not clearer, but it is better because it is His way. They don't want to return to to Egypt. Don't make a lasting decision based on temporary confusion. So often it's where relapses happen. It's where affairs happen. Because in the midst of my not understanding my current situation, I look for what's familiar. And what's comfortable rather than trusting that it's all in the plan. That God does have a plan. That he does love me. God loves these Israelites so much he sends them on the long way around. Y'all see how it's all coming together? On the long way around so that they don't go back to the place that he's already tried to free them from. You know, God will protect you from you. You ever had God protect you from you? I need protection for myself. Sometimes I am my own worst enemy. Forget, nobody else has to do anything. I'm stupid enough myself. Especially when I get tired or hungry. When I get sleepy, I get stupid. I'm not gonna gonna lie. God has to protect me from from, from me. And so he's protecting these Israelites because he says, I don't want you to go back to Egypt because I have something better. I have a promised land. Don't go back just because you're confused because he's trying to protect them from them. So maybe... You thought that the job that you applied for was it. You had gotten laid off during COVID, let's say. And you thought that this next step was it. So you applied for the job and you didn't get it. The tendency there is to be lost in confusion, to turn your back on God. But what if God knew that you couldn't handle that job with your family and still be the mother, the father, the grandma, the grandpa that you needed to be right now? And if you took that job, that job wouldn't work out and it would ruin your resume. What if you had prayed that that woman, that man was them? You needed companionship. They seem to come along at the perfect time in life. You like all of the the same things. You, You finish each other's sentences. You have inside jokes and you thought they were it until you found out that They cheated on you. Or until they came to you one day out of the blue and said, I'm sorry, I'm I'm breaking up. And you thought that was it. But what if God did that because he has somebody better for you? And if he would have given you them, you wouldn't have gotten the better. What if he knew that they were going to break your heart? What if he's protecting you from you? Do you see in, in the confusion, we have to trust that God has a plan in the confusion, we have to realize the character of God and trust that he has a plan and that he, loves, that he loves us. Sometimes it may be confusing, but it's really his protection. How many times in your life has God been that gracious to you? You know, nothing pains my heart more as a father to not give my child something they really, really want because I know I have to protect him from it. Nothing Nothing pains me more than knowing that I could give him whatever this is and he wants it so bad, daddy, daddy, but I know it's not best for him. How good is it that your father in heaven says, I know that they want it and I know that they're hurting and it breaks my heart that they're hurting, but I love them too much not to protect them from themselves. He loves you that much. He cares about you that deeply. He has such an intricate plan for your life. He will Make sure that you don't return to Egypt. It's all in the plan. And then in verse 18, it says, So God led them in a roundabout way through the wilderness toward the Red Sea. Thus the Israelites left Egypt like an army, ready for battle. Does anybody else think Satan invented a roundabout or a traffic circle? Like, I don't, know, I don't know who dreamed these things up, but apparently, apparently they were mad at their boss. And so some engineer said, i got an idea. Let's let everybody ride around in a circle. <laughs> now, here's my, here's my problem with them. Here, here, here's my problem with them. Number one, nobody knows how to drive on them. Myself, and, and I know some of you are thinking, well, I, where I would live, there was a bunch of them. I know how to do it. You don't know. And if you do, keep your mouth shut because we don't. But nobody knows how to drive on them. And so especially the smaller ones, like the ones that are in cute little neighborhoods that they just put there so they can have a traffic circle with some bush in the middle of it. (laughs) Especially those are confusing because you can sit at your road and nobody uses a turn signal to get on or off those boogers. And so you can sit there, look to your left for 30 minutes and never know when you can actually go. Because nobody's going to indicate, so you, here you are, you're sitting, trying to get into the traffic circle. You have to judge, is that person going to turn based off of speed, based off of kind of car, based off of approximate age of the driver? You ha- and then you always get it wrong. And so I'm all the time hitting the gas, hitting the brake, hitting the gas, hitting the brake. Because nobody, and then once you get on, thank y'all for letting me have therapy. Once you get on, you don't know how to get off and especially especially if you're out of town you don't know which one one to choose it's confusing some of y'all are in a roundabout in your life right now aren't you you feel like you're just circling the wagons or you feel like you're just circling around lost in confusion and you have no idea what you should do next, the decision you should make next. The more you pray about it, the more you try to figure it out, the more confused you get. It's hazy, you're lost, you're confused, and you can't see how God is going to work it out. The Bible says that God led the Israelites in a about way. He led them, the Bible says, on a desert road, or some translations use way of the wilderness. This is what A commentary I read said, and I thought this was really good and I didn't want to mess it up. It says, if there had been any military strategist in Israel that night, they probably would have disagreed with the evacuation route God selected because it was too long. Israel's immediate destination was Mount Sinai. But why take two million people the long way around instead of using the shorter and easier route? The answer is because there were Egyptian military posts along the shorter route. The soldiers stationed there would have challenged the Jews. So could it be that you are spinning in circles, that you are in the roundabout, that you are confused because you don't see the enemy lying in the weeds? Could it be that you are confused because it didn't work out, because they didn't get healed, because you didn't get the job? be that you're confused about that because you can't see the other side? Could it be that you are confused because you can't see what God sees? He has a plan. It's all in the plan. And if he doesn't build a relationship with you as you walk through it, you will never make it. He is about relationships and he has a plan that he is maneuvering and working out in your situation. Stay close to him. I know it feels confusing in the roundabout, but he's protecting you. I know it seems like one thing happens after another and you have no idea how he's gonna get you out of it. You have no idea how you're gonna get out of this financial mess. You have no, no idea how you're gonna get out of the mess that you have caused over the years with your bad decisions and your mistakes. It's all in the plan, keep trusting him. You're not too far gone. This doesn't apply to everyone else but you. It's all, in the, it's all in the plan. When you're frustrated and confused, remind yourself that God knows what he's doing. That he isn't in a hurry. That he isn't trying to find the shortest route. That he isn't just trying to avoid all the pain but he has something more lasting he's doing in your life. A Couple of months ago, my eight-year-old, well, seven, he'd be eight next week, but my seven-year-old was playing Minecraft. First off, Minecraft blows my mind. The fact that he can build an entire city on a screen but can't remember to take the underwear out of his pants when he takes them off. Y'all know what I'm saying? (laughs) Like, really? But anyway, I mean, just one at a time, son, one at a time. But he can build, like, entire cities. He built this lighthouse thing. Anyway, he was showing me, but I kind of got lost and quit listening, but just said, good job, buddy, over and over. Parenting advice. I'll let you know when he's, like, 30, okay? Okay. And so a couple months ago, he, he was building this, this, this town, and I don't even remember what, he, what all he had constructed. He, he had showed it all to me, and he was sitting on the couch between Melissa and I, and he hits this one button. I don't know what it does, but literally the entire city that he just built goes up in flames. And me, I'm, I'm, I'm his father, so I know how he reacts. I, I expect him to, like, get mad, start crying, throw the Nintendo Switch against the couch, something but he, he looks at me and he looks at Melissa and he says, well, it was all in the plan. <laughs> but it taught me something. What if I, when things are going up in flames, when all hell is breaking loose around me, what if somehow I could have enough faith inside of me and enough belief to say it's all in the plan? It's okay. It's all in the plan. What if when when, when somebody that you've known forever betrays you? What if when things go up in flames around you? What if when that relationship crumbles? What if when the car breaks after the dryer breaks? After the dishwasher breaks, what if somehow we wouldn't dismiss our problems and we wouldn't ignore them, but we could say, it's all in the plan, and thank God the planner is so smart, he can handle the plan. It's all, it's all in the, it's all in the, the plan, and I'm not saying that we're robots that our entire life is programmed and we have no choice in the matter. Don't hear me wrong. You're responsible for your actions. But what I am saying, what I am saying is that we serve a God who even in the midst of our mistakes, even in the midst of our consequences, even in the midst of our confusion can still work things out in his plan. You see it all, all, across, all, across the, all across the Bible. You see people going through things that they didn't understand. None of this really makes sense. None of the stories make sense. Sure, the, the, the Bible all lines up. It all works out. But a lot of the stories, when you're in them, you're like, this doesn't make any sense. What about Jesus, the Son of God, the Savior of the world, the one who everything was created in him and through him, has to step down into dusty earth because of the sins of the people. And then isn't it odd, isn't it confusing that the Savior of the world, the one that holds all power in his hand, would be nailed to a cross? Like the men had any authority over him, but he gets nailed to a cross. And then what's even more confusing is they put him in a grave. Should be the end of the story. But the Son of God is, is buried, and all of a sudden he chose in his plan to step out of that grave three days later. What about what about? The story of Moses and the Israelites, it's confusing. They, they were told they were God's people, and now all of a sudden it feels like everybody has, has abandoned them, like God has abandoned them, like they have no way to get to this promised land. And then he calls a guy named Moses, who is crazy full of insecurities, can't even talk. And so God says, well, I got another plan here. Meet Aaron. You got, your, you got Aaron, go get him. Go get him. He can speak for you, and so God works it out, and he saves his people. What about David? There's a shepherd boy, a stinky shepherd boy. A small, stinky shepherd boy was used to handling sheep. All of the soldiers of the day couldn't stand up to big Goliath, nine feet tall, giant Goliath. And here's David. This doesn't make any sense. Here's David. He's delivering a pizza to his brothers on the front line. It says cheese and bread, but we'll call it a pizza. He's he's delivering pizza on the front line to his brothers. And he hears this giant mocking God, and he says, oh, no, you didn't. And he (laughs) steps up. No, you just didn't. And so he steps up to the front of the battle lines and he slings his stone and it hits the giant and the giant goes down. What the soldiers couldn't do, David did in a moment with just one stone. Why? Because God has a plan in the midst of confusion. Somebody clap for that, please. It's all in the plan. So what's the secret? What's the secret to all that? I don't know that there's a secret but I think the Israelites in this story gives us, give us some sort of indication of how we walk through life in the midst of the confusion, in the midst of feeling like we're in the roundabout, in the midst of taking the long way around. Here's how they did it. Exodus 13, verse 21. It says, The Lord went ahead of them. He guided them during the day with a pillar of cloud, and he provided light at night with a pillar of fire. In other words, the Israelites faced more dark nights It says, this allowed them to travel by day or by night. And the Lord did not remove the pillar of cloud or the pillar of fire from its place in front of the people. So how do you follow God's plan? You let him lead you step by step. know that the end doesn't make sense. You can't see how you're going to get there. But step by step, these Israelites would follow this cloud and this fire. And in the midst of the confusion, in the midst of the darkness, in the midst of the hurt and the pain and the frustration, they would find their promised land. How do. You have faith in the midst of confusion and pain. You follow God one step at a time. You make the next right decision. You pray and ask him to do the next thing. You pay, try your best to pay the next bill. You try your best to fix the next thing. You try your best to, to, to offer an apology to the next person you hurt. You walk step by step by step by step, and you never quit following him. It says that this cloud and this fire never lifted from them until they got to the promised land. Do you know why? Because he will never leave you or forsake you. He will never leave your side. He will never leave you in the midst of the darkness and the confusion alone. It's confusing. It's painful, but it's all in the plan. He's that good to you. He loves you that much. He loves you too much to make it easy. He loves you too much not to protect you from yourself. He loves you too much to let the enemy lie in the weeds as you leave yourself vulnerable. He loves you too much. With every head bowed and every eye closed. One of the things that's not confusing is the plan of accepting Christ. It's very clear. If you admit that you're a sinner, you violated the holiness of God. If you believe that Jesus is who he says he is, and you confess that he's the Lord of your life, the Bible says you will be saved not over time, but in an instant. Some of you this morning, you do not have a relationship with Jesus and your life will continue to be confusing and even whatever you put your meaning into will eventually collapse if you don't have it in Jesus. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, if you need to accept Christ this morning, and you feel him knocking on the door of your heart and you just feel that thing in your stomach, you feel that, that lump in your throat and you know what you need to do. Don't wait, do it now. Just say, Jesus, I confess, I've messed up. I have no problem admitting that. but it is hard to believe you love me, but I do, I believe it. So I ask you to come into my life, forgive me of my sins. I'm gonna follow you as best as I can. I surrender, I give my life to you. In Jesus name, amen. With every head bowed and every eye still closed, I just wanna, I don't wanna rush this time. I want us just to sit here for just a moment. And I want you to think about that situation you're confused about right now. I don't want you to ask God to clear it all up. I want you to ask him, what's my next step? Is my next step to pray and go to the doc- back to the doctor? Is my next step to redo my budget? Stop wa- start watching what I spend? is my next step, the fact that I can't do anything about this. I'm just going to have to draw close to you, God. What's your next step? God, I thank you for every person under the sign of my voice. For the ones watching online, for the ones in the room. Lord, looking around and seeing faces of the stories that I know and the people that I know have to be confused. God, I just ask for your unmerited favor and grace on their life. God, restore their hope, restore their faith. God, let them see you working. Let them feel you doing something new. And even though they may not know exactly what it is, let them, let them feel a sense of assurance right now that you have never left their side, that you're a good father, that even though they may be in the roundabout, you are not confused. Lord, we trust that you have a plan. We trust that that's good. We trust that you work all things to the good of those who love you who've been called according to your purpose. God, let it be for these people in front of me. God, thank you for the privilege of teaching your word. What an honor. In Jesus' name, amen.